Travelers, welcome back to the European Show. This is episode 9, and we will obviously, as we're in the Champions League week, we'll be looking back at this weekend's football while looking towards the Champions League games, as we always do, because we're unoriginal. So, to join me in doing so, as always, is Nick. So, welcome back, Nick. Thank you very much, Jack. How are you doing? I am doing okay. So the first place we'll start is the Bundesliga. And so the biggest, one of the biggest talking points was the fact that at Dortmund, they're obviously in the midst of an injury crisis. There's the absence of Marco Royce and Matt Hummels, both their captain and vice-captain. And so who's the third captain at Dortmund? Jude Bellingham. And so obviously the talking point was the fact Dortmund was, Dortmund's captain is a 19-year-old which makes him not only the youngest captain ever at Dortmund, but the youngest captain ever in the Bundesliga. And you would think, you know, Dortmund would honour that and play well. They didn't. They opened, they took the lead against Cologne, winning uh, with Julian Brandt, and then it just kind of collapsed. And in the second half, they conceded twice in the space of five minutes. And then they conceded again in the 71st minute before what looked like a potential comeback when they in an own goal was scored however that didn't happen and Dortmund have lost in another quite comical manner because obviously last time they lost to Werder Bremen 3-2 where they completely threw it away in the last couple of minutes whereas with this they're obviously a much better team than, than Cologne and they themselves just kind of threw it away again, but in not as dramatic fashion. And it is worth noting, though, that one the person that scored the second goal for Cologne was sold to Cologne from Dortmund, and obviously Dortmund went on to buy Anthony Modeste from Cologne. And obviously from this game, Anthony Modeste's impact was minimal once again, whereas obviously his, his opponent obviously scored so it really makes you think now have Dortmund made a massive error signing Modeste when they could have obviously kept Stefan Tiggs which in hindsight obviously you could say that but I think at the time it would also have made a lot more sense you know absolutely at the time it made basically zero sense sure you can say Modeste's experience but experience doing what he's not he's not a specially good player so it doesn't really add much to your team. Meanwhile, Tiggs is being a, a considerably younger player, always has space to improve, which is much more valuable. So I don't, I don't really know what, what was going on through their minds when they made that decision. Um, it's clearly not worked out very well. And I think um, maybe it's for economic reasons. Maybe, maybe Tiggs was asking for a higher salary, but that wouldn't make much sense to then why he would accept willingly to go to Cologne, who certainly wouldn't have paid him that much more. So I don't, I don't really understand... Um, the logic behind it really however it is what it is and clearly it it's shaping out uh to have been a bad decision uh so that there goes dortmund's management but um but yeah also i did want to ask you do you think that them playing badly this game could be attributed to them not having a real captain shall we say obviously jude Bellingham is a great player but in only being 19 how much can he contribute to the morale and the organization of his team it's not to do with the captaincy, I think it's to do with who was out. You know, Matt Hummels, funny enough, has actually been playing quite well this season. And 
him and Schlotterbeck were a decent defensive partnership and with Hummels being out injured it means Nicolas Sula had to play and Nicolas Sula has not been at his best as of late and obviously Schlotterbeck and Sula haven't worked well together in this game and we saw that and funny enough they played again with each other when Germany played England and obviously that ended 3-3 as well so it's clearly not going well but to your question I, I, I don't think it's got to do with the captaincy I think it's mainly due to the fact that the person in front of him happened to be one of Dortmund's informed defenders and that's why um, they they struggled yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, we'll only see with time um, how, the, how the team can pick themselves up if it really is a captaincy issue or just a player issue. Then, Bayern Munich, they played Bayer Leverkusen in, obviously, both teams in poor runs of form. And Bayern Munich came out of that winning 4-0. So, you, with goals, Jamal Musiala ran the show once again. Then... Leroy Sane, Sadio Mane and Thomas Müller all scored as well. Bayern Munich went in at half-time 3-0 up. So the game was basically dead and buried by then. Because Bayer Leverkusen have been, were poor once again. And it really, that's the thing. You can't, you, you should, obviously Bayern Munich scored four goals. Which obviously you could say Bayern are back to the best now. However, they have been playing Barlevik and his defence hasn't been that good. So it's very hard to come out of this game with conclusions because obviously both teams were struggling and one has continued to struggle. Um, and so it's quite hard to say Bayern Munich are back or whatever because of this, well, because of how poor Leverkusen has been. Well, I think it's mostly down to how bad Bayern Leverkusen are. Essentially, any team could kind of walk over them. I say supporting a team that got beaten by Bayern Leverkusen. Um, it, it, it does show that um, Bayern Munich did come back with a stronger mentality and a more of a winning mentality from the international break, uh, which is obviously a, a big improvement because, because as we saw, a team that, uh, that has quality but doesn't really put in the effort actually can't beat Bayer Leverkusen but in terms of quality it doesn't really show an it doesn't indicate an improvement we're going to have to see until later weeks um, obviously the most important and obvious thing is Bayer Leverkusen however have not improved themselves we saw this earlier as a turning point for both teams and well we can we can clearly tell that for Leverkusen it's not been a turning point for them it's just a return to form and that is a very bad form so it's just going to keep tumbling down from them for them, granted, they played one of the best teams in the Bundesliga on paper, but uh, but yeah, they could have definitely found ways to abuse the um, Bayern Munich slump. So in conclusion, I I, I don't think uh, it's that much credit to Bayern Munich, even though essentially they just essentially what they did was turn up and and be focused, and and that's all they really needed. Then the biggest surprise of the weekend in the Bundesliga was Werder Bremen playing Borussia Mönchengladbach. Obviously, Werder Bremen had been one of the more interesting teams to the start of the season. And they continue that as they beat Borussia Mönchengladbach 5-1. They took the lead quite quickly against Gladbach, scoring in five minutes with Nicholas Fulkrug. Then three minutes later, uh, Marvin Dukes 
scored in the 8th minute before 5 minutes after that Nicholas Fulcrid scored again so Werder Bremen were already 3-0 up before um, within 13 minutes and the game was basically over by then then it got worse for Gladbach as, as Rami Benzabayuni after a good performance against Leipzig last week or last time uh, scored an own goal and the game was the def- there was no midfield um, especially for Borussia Mönchengladbach they got torn apart very easily very quickly which obviously resulted most of the goals scored by Werder Bremen were from counters which obviously it says a lot really uh, Marcus Turam did manage to grab a goal back well obviously it was really a consolation goal before Mitchell Weiser um, scored the fifth so obviously this is begs the question about Nicholas Fulkrug. We mentioned him last time, or not last time, but previously, about potentially playing for Germany. Um, obviously, he is the only informed German striker, um, not only in the Bundesliga, just in general. And he, he is a typical number nine, which is what Germany don't really have. And it really begs the question, because the squads at the World Cup are 26 man, do you take the risk and, and take him with you? Because obviously it's more of a case of you probably gain more than you could potentially lose from having him in the team. I think it is really quite risky to bring someone uh, into a World Cup having never played them in an international game before. It's a, it's a different level, it's a different it's a different atmosphere. It's a, comp- it's a different team. He's never played in this system with this manager, with these teammates in the past so there's zero guarantee that he would be as good as he is uh, in the Bundesliga also it's such an important competition it's not just like oh yeah international friend or oh nation league it's it's the world cup it's not the qualifiers it is the world cup and you'd be taking a risk with a player like this uh however I think it is important to note that like you said they do have slightly bigger squads than normal um for the for this world cup so it could be fine to take him as a reserve player but I personally wouldn't feel confident uh, playing him in games, at least games in which, uh, at least in games in which you wouldn't really know the result yet. So if you're winning like three 0 up by like sixty minutes, then then yeah, sure, fair enough. You can you can very much, you can very much uh, put him in. But but otherwise, if the games are undecided, which most World Cup games will be, uh, until the final minutes of sorts, then I think it's far too risky to to take a bet on him really. I just think, obviously, the only attackers that Germany have that play striker are Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, who are not normal strikers and who are both not in form. So I just think, regardless of whether he's played at this level or not, um, I think you should call him up because obviously he will bring something that those players don't have and offer something that they can't and he he's just different to the other two if it's not him it's Simon Taroda and obviously at least Fulkrug is performing at the highest level in, in, in the Bundesliga whereas Simon Taroda can't score more than five goals well I agree I do think that bringing Simon Taroda on it would be funny and that does have some value to it then the other, what's interesting is that Union Berlin 
they were unbeaten until this weekend where they drew or where they lost 2-0 to Frankfurt um, which was a bit of a surprise because obviously Frankfurt are relatively poor in the league but obviously Union Berlin are at the top but Berlin are still at the top they managed to hold their place um, but Freiburg have closed the gap so the top two are Union Berlin and Freiburg both on 17 points and then you have Bayern Munich and Dortmund on 15 each and the German teams that are in action in the Champions League are obviously Bayern Munich play Victoria Pilsen on Tuesday then on the same night Frankfurt play Tottenham which I think will be a lot more of an even game than people expect because obviously we know how Tottenham perform in the Champions League and how they struggle um, and obviously Frankfurt do have home advantage as well and we've seen how Frankfurt perform well they've also shown they have the capacity to turn an away stadium into a home stadium so like who is there really that much of a difference exactly then um, RB Leipzig play Celtic and Sevilla play Borussia Dortmund obviously Sevilla yet to win a game in La Liga and Borussia Dortmund the Dortmund so I think it's very hard to say um say and tell who will win this game because of how unpredictable both teams are so now we will have a break and then we'll be back with La Liga welcome back from our break we will now look at La Liga, where there were some interesting results. Yep, there there certainly was, Jack. Uh, the first and least interesting, because it was the least surprising, was um, Atletico Madrid beat Sevilla 2-0. We all saw this coming, thankfully, because um, Atletico may be in bad form, but Sevilla will always be in worse form. Uh, so yeah, Sevilla keep on, uh, pile this, on, this defeat onto their misery. Um, honestly, the game could have finished like 5-0. Uh, just Atletico don't have clinical finishers. But we saw, we saw Letico re- return after many, many games back to a, a four at the back instead of their three at the back. They played kind of their traditional 4-4-2, which was very effective, uh, helped the game flow more, and it helped star man Marco Llorente uh, play much, much as he had in previous seasons and succeeded. And it showed uh, the huge difference in quality on the pitch, uh, and it allowed him to score a goal, the opening goal, 1-0. It was a pretty, pretty, nice, pretty, pretty nice shot as well. Then, uh, then later on, after many fluffs and missed attempts uh, at Sevilla's goal, Moreta uh, scores the, the 2-0 with a nice assist by Cunha. Uh, and with that, uh, we, see, we see Sevilla essentially just keep on tumbling down the table. They're, they're literally a point away from the relegation zone, Jack, and they have five points in seven games. <laughs> I actually think they can get relegated. It's unlikely. But, but it is very possible, especially if they have a bad winter transfer window. Um, they're, they're just not going to make it. I think it's literally just a matter of days uh, before before the, before the uh, Lopetegui gets sacked. Granted, they've played fairly difficult games. Atleti is not the easiest team to play against. They played against Barcelona. But they've also lost against some complete meme teams. Two of the teams they've played against are recently promoted. Almeria and Valladolid. Like, you have to beat them. Like, you have to beat them. Then... Uh, 
they did pick up a good result against Espanyol as well, but we've already talked about that. That wasn't the most impressive game from either team, really. Uh, but yeah, that game just kind of shows Sevilla is still bad. They look like they're going to keep on being bad for, for quite a while. Then we also see Barcelona beat uh, Mallorca 1-0 in a, in a game that propels Barcelona to the top of the table. Uh, Lewandowski, as per usual, scored quite early on uh, with a nice assist by Ansu Fati, who really had quite a good game. Um, we, we saw, interestingly enough, uh, a Barcelona team playing with both Jordi Alba and Alex Balde, which I thought was quite strange. It didn't seem to work quite as well as I think Xavi had imagined in his head, but who did play extremely well was Andreas Christensen, who has been having quite an impressive season. Um, considering he was signed on a free, he's only 26 years old, he's a very good centre-back. Um, I think he might generally be one of the signings of the season, at least in La Liga. Uh, and a bit of an underrated one as well because he just kind of went under the radar a little bit. Um, but yeah, we we saw Lewandowski at, at his best essentially. Uh, so now we so now uh, because of Ramage's result, we see we see Barcelona top. What do we think of this, Jack? Uh, are Barcelona really champion quality, or is it, uh, are or are they a product of their fixture list so so far? It's definitely the fixture list. I obviously we've we looked at who they had played. Um, in this in this time where they've gone unbeaten especially since the beginning of the season and the only relatively difficult teams on paper that they played were Real Sociedad obviously this was severe before they turned out to be terrible and they've they've they have not played a decent team in the league and when they have played a decent team in Bayern Munich they lost 2-0 so I think it, they're solely a product of the teams they've played and they, they're only top because of the teams they have played and they've made to look good because of this. So obviously in a couple of weeks, I think it's two weeks' time, that they play Real Madrid and I think this that will be the real test where we will see whether Barcelona are truly the quality that they are. Because yes, they beat Real Madrid early on in the year 4-0 or whatever, but this is completely different and I think that's when we can kind of see whether Barcelona are the real deal or not. Yeah, in fairness to them, they've definitely played easy games, but in those games, they've played well. Like, they have an idea of how to move the ball, of how to create danger, of how to defend for the most part, uh, which was their biggest weakness in, in previous previous seasons. And they are patching up mistakes which they, which they had been making before, uh, before easy teams uh, would beat them quite comfortably because they'll just shut themselves down in their own half and then Barcelona would be too uncreative to unlock them. And now we've seen quite the opposite. Barcelona has the capacity to unlock teams that sit back, that just that just play on the counter, uh, how to defend against that kind of counter-attacking, which I think is a big improvement from previous years. So maybe even if they can't quite still um, go head-to-head with Real Madrid in a, in a one-to-one game, they're at least um, being more consistent than in previous seasons, which is very important. Um, we saw them countless times pick up embarrassing results against teams they should have been beating. Um, and we're also seeing Dembele and Ansu Fati back to their fittest, which is extremely important for their attack. And they're fairly young. Dembele not so much anymore, but, um, but still they have a long way to improve and they, have a, and they can add a lot to Barcelona in future years as well. So I think it's only just the beginning. Within, within, by the end of the season, they're going to be even better than they are now, is, is my opinion. So it certainly seems like they can at least challenge for the, for the title, but I, I don't. I can't really say more than that. 
yeah, speaking of the other real title challenger, uh, Real Madrid finally uh, lost their winning streak. They had been on a very, very long streak of, I believe, 13, 19 games in a row winning in the league. Um, and Osasuna finally put an end to that. To be fair, it was only a matter of time. Every single week I was telling, I was saying that um, they were playing a team which they would have probably been beaten com- comfortably. It was only a matter of time before I ended up jinxing them. Uh, however, Osasuna are, are actually quite a good team uh, this season. They, they were fifth in the league and now they're sixth because of the dropped points. But um, yeah, Osasuna have definitely been good. Uh, beating some pretty big names as well, or at least playing good games against the big teams. Um, I was gonna say, I forgot, I lost my train of thought. But yes, so Osasuna really knew how to put up their their defensive block well, how to manage the game, how to control the midfield most importantly, um, and essentially they managed to to prevent uh, Real Madrid's Tuchemanian cross really having too much uh, control um, of, of how to dictate the game. We saw Ancelotti make a mistake in starting Dani Ceballos, who shouldn't be a player in the first division of Spanish football anymore. He was amazing for two seasons at Betis, signed for Real Madrid, and and now he's now he just exists. He's just there to vibe, really. Uh, and so playing a team that that we we've seen play well before, starting Ceballos in in the, in the starting eleven, um, was definitely a mistake. He completely got drowned out in this very compact, very disciplined. Osasuna midfield they just essentially drowned him out and, and he was like the choke point for, for Real Madrid essentially the ball couldn't get past him um, and so yeah from there we so I, I think it was essentially just a, just a case of of, um, of Ancelotti getting cocky because he also uh, decided to start um, uh, Andre Lunin granted um, Courtois did pick up a knock during international break so it's it's fair but um, but yeah, I, I I really think the team was too relaxed. Ancelotti was too relaxed. Uh, they kind of sat on their laurels a little bit. Uh, they didn't really see, they didn't see really see it coming. Um, however, the one player who did, as always, put in maximum energy was Vinicius Junior, who scored the opening goal with an assist yet again by David Alaba, who is really something else, man. Like as a centre back, he's so solid. I've, I've talked about this before but like, I'll keep on talking about it as a centre-back he's so solid but then going up in possession of the ball he's very controlled he's very clean he has a good long ball he's a good short pass he has basically everything he's got a great free kick as we saw uh, right at the start of the season as well uh, he's quite something else and then combined with Vinicius Junior as well who as we've seen m- many many times before he, he's a fast player he's a fast winger and he's definitely improved his finishing which was essentially what made him meme material uh, at his start of, of, of his career but um, yeah, Real Madrid kind of definitely slacked off after that, I think. Um, and they kind of got overrun at the beginning of the second half. Um, Osasuna equalized. And then they kind of managed to stave off uh, Real Madrid for the most part. But in the final 10 minutes, Real Madrid uh, went, went for one final push uh, for, a, for a winner. And they ended up gaining a penalty out of it uh, with David Garcia from Osasuna being sent off. Uh, as a result as well uh, so we see Benzema step up he scored so many penalties in the past but this one he didn't manage to slot it in the back of the net and with that their hopes of, of winning the game went down the drain uh, we we essentially saw a very brave last defensive act from, from Osasuna with 10 men staving off of Real Madrid and, and they managed to, they managed to hold on they managed to to pick up a point against the best team in the league right now so that was incredibly impressive but yeah so with that, that kind of 
puts a little bit more spice in the league we see we see Barcelona coming to the equation a little bit more and so we'll have to see how it goes from here um, in the Champions League the Spanish teams play well Barcelona play into Milan which will once again show how they deal against decent teams um, Atletico Madrid played Club Bruges on, on Tuesday obviously Club Bruges have been su- the surprise team in this group as they currently are top um, which obviously you wouldn't think especially with the likes of Atletico Madrid and Porto in, in the same group as them so obviously this won't be any easy game for Atletico Madrid then Real Madrid play Shakhtar Donetsk obviously they've played each other several times over the past three years or so and then Sevilla play Dortmund obviously we've, we've mentioned this game earlier so now we will look at Syria. Um, we the the top of the table is completely wide open. Um, albeit, yes, we're only eight games in. Between first and fifth, they're only separated by three points, and it is just such an interesting league at the moment. So obviously, Inter Milan played Roma in probably the highlight of the weekend and obviously he came out the Jose Marino who, who was suspended for this game as he got sent off in the last one was watching the game from a bus outside the San Siro um, Inter Milan took the lead um, through Federico De Marco in, in the 30th minute before only a couple of minutes later Dybala scored um, to equalise obviously this is interesting because Dybala was was linked heavily to joining Inter Milan over the summer and during his time at at Juventus and obviously they didn't go for him and now he now he scored against them before in the seventy fifth minute Chris Smalling um, scored the winner for Roma obviously Smalling has experienced a, a massive revival during his time at uh, Inter uh, Roma and looks a completely different player. And a much better player than when he was at Manchester United. However, that's not that hard. Then Milan, the other Milan team, they played empathy in what was meant to be a relatively easy win for them. Yes, they did three win three one, which may make you think it was easy, but it wasn't. As Milan took the lead in the 79th minute through Ande Rebic, you would think, okay, they, they've won the game here. However. In the 92nd minute, Empoli then equalised. So it looked like they'd thrown it away. But in the 93rd minute, Milan scored. Before the 97th minute, Raphael Leal scored again to make it 3-1. And obviously Leal is continuing his his great start of the season and, and oh, continuing on from where he left off last season. He's definitely one of the most exciting young players in the world at the moment then Napoli beat Torino 3-1 is a relatively standard win for Napoli they they were winning 3-0 within 40 minutes and Torino scored in the 44th and that was it and Juventus they won so Max Allegri manages to keep his job for slightly longer Um, and then in the Champions League these teams 
Um, we obviously see Napoli play Ajax, which is a big game in the context of the group because this is the back-to-back -back game, so Napoli will play Ajax and then I think in two weeks' time they play each other again. And obviously, why is this important? Because Liverpool are playing the whipping boys of the group, Rangers. And so I think Ajax and Napoli would definitely be the game that will really decide whether one of these two teams qualify. Obviously, Inter Milan play Barcelona. AC Milan play Chelsea. Um, obviously, Chelsea are an interesting case at the moment because they, they do have a new manager. And Milan have, I wouldn't say struggled in the Champions League so far, but they've only won once, and that was against Dinamo Zagreb. So it will be interesting how this game pans out because obviously Milan are not in their best of form that you would normally expect them to be, while Chelsea are just kind of struggling, really. And then Juventus play Maccabi Haifa. They they should win this quite comfortably, but obviously let let's, let's put some money on this. If if they get beaten by Maccabi Haifa, will Allegri be sacked? I think he would have to be after that. <laughs> and obviously Haifa did give PSG a bit of a scare as well uh, when they played last time out. So it will definitely be interesting. So now we will be in our. We will now have our anthem break. Okay, welcome back from our break. So we had the severe anthem. So Nick, what do you, what do you rate it? Eleven out of ten. It's probably my favorite football anthem. It is different gravy. Honestly, like hearing it in a stadium, a sung a cappella by fans, is is absolutely special. It has so much energy, so much, so much passion into it. The words really, bah, they make your team play. They make your team play good. It's it's. It's just amazing. I 100% love it. It is like the heart and soul of Sevilla. Too bad their team sucks. But um, but yeah, it's a great anthem. 11 out of 10. I'll give it a, a 7 out of 10. So now we'll look at Liga. So PSG beat Nice 2-1. Uh, Messi did score a free kick before Gaeta and the board equalised before Kylian Mbappe. He didn't start the game. Um, equalised or scored the winner in the 83rd minute. Then, the surprise team of this season, and I think over the past couple of seasons in general, has been Lons. So they beat Lyon 2-1. They beat Lyon 1-0. And what's interesting about Lons is they're currently fourth in the table, four points behind PSG. But what's interesting is Lons have been on some monumental undefeated run where... They're 17 games unbeaten in Liga, which is ridiculous, especially with the club, with the financial capabilities of the club compared to the likes of PSG, who are only 18 games unbeaten. So I just think 
it's just impressive what they've been able to do, not only this season so far, but last season as well. And considering the fact that they're only recently, I say recently, but they were only in the second division two years ago. This this is one of the feel-good stories, especially in a league which is dominated by a team that is owned by by a state and is only in the position they are in because of the financial backing they have. Yeah, I mean, Lons are only four points behind PSG, so if they can keep this incredible form up, I really, don't, really don't want to jinx it. Then maybe one of those classic league on title upsets. It will be interesting, and it will be even better this time, especially with how much PSG have invested in making a team instead of just relying on the normal players up front and so the rest of the Champions League games we see Marseille play Sporting obviously Sporting beat Tottenham last time out whereas Marseille did lose to Frankfurt so I definitely think that game will be interesting we see Porto play by Leverkusen I've mentioned that already I've cut that out um Benfica play PSG. Obviously, Benfica are no easy team to play against. We've seen how they've done in the Champions League over the past couple of years. And this will be another challenge for PSG. And I think, obviously, we saw how they did actually struggle against Juventus. Well, they did win that game. But I think with a team that's a lot more coherent and not in a terrible position in, in Benfica, I think that this will be a lot more difficult for PSG. I slightly disagree. I think PSG um, are becoming slightly more consistent. Obviously, consi- consistency has always been the problem throughout the, the last few years, but I, I think they're, they're going to get back into it and back into a good rhythm, so it should be all right for them, I think. Then Man City play Copenhagen. Man City will probably win this quite easily. And then Salzburg play Dinamo Zagreb. Obviously, what's interesting about this is Salzburg have taken points off Milan and Chelsea. And so Salzburg have clearly and are clearly shaking up the that group, and so it will be interesting um, how they do there. So now well, that is it for today. Um, thank you for listening. Please like us, follow us, subscribe, whatever. And yeah, we'll be back later on in the week. Yeah, thank you very much for tuning in, and we will be seeing you later. Mm-hmm.